Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of About Abortion. I'm delighted to be joined by my dear friend and colleague, Pauline. Pauline, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to have you. Now, we've, we've done a, a fair bit of work together over um, the years, and I know you very well and your story very well, but uh, many of our listeners uh, won't. So what we're going to be doing today uh, for those listening in is... Uh, if you've been following the podcast so far, you would have heard us address various aspects of the abortion issue. We've looked at what it is. We've looked at the stats, what the Bible has to say about it. We've looked at it in sort of historical terms and all sorts of things. We, we heard a, a very striking story a few weeks ago of a woman who very nearly had an abortion uh, in the, I think it was the 1970s, very close shave with abortion. And uh, mercifully, she managed to escape that. What we haven't done yet is heard a story from someone who has had an abortion. And I'm conscious there are many people listening in on this podcast, perhaps, or people known to people listening in on the podcast who've had abortions, who know who've got friends, sisters, who've had abortions, daughters, mothers. There are so many people affected directly. And so uh, we thought it'd be helpful just to hear from Pauline, who is very kindly willing to share some of her story. Um, and how the gospel is big enough for this issue. So, Pauline, thanks for, for coming on. Can you just share a little bit about um, your uh, your situation? So you're, you're a mother, you're a grandmother. Are you even a great-grandmother yet? No, not, not yet. yet. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> no, the, uh, the grandchildren um, have been busy studying, and okay. uh, they are settling down, though, the older ones. So we could be but getting no, a great no grandmother Pauline ones. before long. You never. Know. It would would be lovely, wouldn't it? <laughs> Brilliant. Now, Pauline, you um, uh, help women today, don't you, with your post-abortion support for everyone? We'll hear perhaps more about that at the end. But really, what's given you such a heart to help others is the way in which you yourself have been so helped by the grace of Jesus and how you were met in the most wonderful way in a very, very difficult time in your life. Can you just bring us back to um, where you were in, what was it, the early 70s? What, yes. just tell us a little bit, just a few minutes on um, how you ended up um, in in probably the darkest moment of your life. I, I was married and I had a little boy of a year old, not quite a year old actually, and I wasn't feeling very well. And I went to the doctors and um, he said, oh, you've got German measles. And I said, oh, I think I might be expecting, I think I might be pregnant. And he said, oh, that's all right, don't worry. We can, you can, you can have an abortion. And I said, I don't want an abortion. Uh, and I consistently said that I didn't want an abortion, but um, what do I know, hey, compared to doctors who've got um, the authority and, uh, you know, the people that I talked to all thought that it was a good idea. and. Um, I gave in, actually. I knew that it was a baby. I knew that they were talking nonsense when they said it wasn't a baby. Um, but I gave in because I thought, how can I have this child when I've got a baby who's not even a year old? And if this little one is going to need a lot of care and everybody thinks I ought to get rid of it, um, how will I manage? Uh, so yes, I, I had an abortion and um, it, it's not really medical care. It, it's it's um, 
it killed my baby. And, uh, and I knew that it was going to, and yet when I came down from the abortion, um, it hit me like a ton of bricks that um, what had happened. And um, I, I had been brought up as a Catholic and I did have a faith in God, possibly not a, faith in, a saving faith in Christ, but I certainly um, did um, expect God to take care of me because I believed in him. So my response was very childish, actually. I, I sort of turned against him and I said, oh, I'm not going to have any more to do with you. Um, and I, I just thought nothing matters now. And, um, and I lived as though nothing mattered. I ran away and um, I foolishly, not believing in God, I did, um, there was a lot of interest in the occult in those years. I think there probably still is actually. And I was sort of around the edges of it. I think when you allow death to come deep into the secret parts of your body, you open the way to evil spirits mm. and, um, and then to, you know, to, to be involved in the occult mm. was really a big invite, I think. Mm. So yes, I, I thought, goodness me, I don't believe in God and yet, there's evil or the spirits around and they're frightening me and I don't know what to do. I kept saying the 23rd Psalm and, uh, and I kept trying to pray to God, but I just felt that it wasn't going to be any good. And I didn't have any, any peace. In fact, I had terrible fear. So, so this, this moment in your life, which, I think I've heard you say in the past that the, the the suggestion was this will make your problem disappear. This will take your this will be the end of your troubles. We'll we'll do this procedure. Oh yes, that's right. Well, this... yes, we can. Don't worry, it's legal. We pass this act for people like you. Mm. And um, what's silly? How silly? Because the problem wasn't the baby. The problem was my fear. Yeah. Yeah. My problem was the thought that I wasn't going to be able to manage. Mm. And, and if anybody had said to me, oh, Pauline, don't be silly. Of course, you'll manage. We'll help you. And there's mm. plenty of help. Although I don't think there was all that much help in those years. But um, so, yes, when I when I was in the hospital waiting for the abortion, waiting, I was lying there and I was thinking soon they'll come and they'll put the needle in my arm. Mm. And when I wake up, it'll all be over. And I'll be able to get on with my life again and it'll all be over. But it, it, it was never, yeah. it wasn't over. It was just beginning. <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like from what you're saying that the troubles were beginning to proliferate. Yes. And, and it seems to have affected yeah. you a great deal spiritually. Yes. Uh, and sort of, yes, it did. is it fair to say, psychologically, emotionally, you, you, it really knocked you in a way that perhaps you hadn't anticipated? Well, um, I was aware that there were evil spirits, although there were spirits and I didn't know if they were evil or not, but I didn't think, I thought they probably weren't very good. And, um, and that really did make me very afraid. And then I, I just got this idea in my head. I thought, oh, actually, maybe I'm just mad. 
maybe it's not that I've got evil spirits, what a relief. So I went along to the nearest um, psychiatric hospital, they call them nowadays. In those days, it was called a lunatic asylum. And it was, um, it was a terrifying place. Um, they admitted me and um, every time that I got upset, I would have drugs administered. So I had drugs that were prescribed, but also if I was, every time I woke up, I'd be really frightened. And so it reached the point where I didn't really come back to normality. If you know, I couldn't see what was going on around me. I was just inside of my own and it felt as if I was in a dungeon mm. and there were evil spirits talking to me and they were telling me just to despair mm. um, they were saying what's the matter with you life is tragic everybody knows that you know you're just silly just give in mm. but you see I had a little boy and there was a time when um I was, I was drawn to death, you can imagine. Well, I, don't, I hope you can't imagine, but um, I, was, I was on the underground one day and I, was, I heard the train coming in and I stood up and walked towards the edge of the platform as Londoners do. <laughs> but I realised I wasn't going to stop. I, 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 just, it didn't, I just thought, oh, I'm not going to stop. And then I realised I had my little boy's hand in mine and I thought, good I must never do this. And I made a vow that no matter what happened, I would not kill myself, I would live. So even when I was most drugged up, I refused the despair because I believed that it would lead me to death. Mm. Um, and I think I was probably right in thinking that. Mm. Um, but it's, it's a very difficult thing to, um, to try and resist death mm. when it's so... Um, when you're being so drawn to it and, mm. and it, it seems like it's the best option a bit like mm. abortion it seems like mm. it's the best and of course abortion is death isn't it yeah but yeah. um i remembered i, I tried to, I, every time i'd say oh no life's not that bad they'd say oh it is it is and um you know you're just you know you're just like a kid believing in father christmas and um, face up to reality, it's really terrible. Mm. So I tried to think of happy times. And they were, they were very, um, it was very frightening because they had the answer to everything. You know, they'd say, oh, no, you were just deluded. Or maybe you thought you were happy then, but now you know what life's really like. You'll never be happy again, so you might as well just give in. Mm. So, uh, but um, thankfully... I remembered something which I held on to, which was that there were times when I was very, very happy. And those were times when I was reading the Narnia stories. <laughs> and I still love them. I've read them so many times. I give them away. Uh, there's a truth in them, which is, um, which saved my life, actually. Because in one of them, uh, the one that I remembered, thankfully, um, there was a wicked witch who was casting a spell on the children and trying to make them accept her reality and telling them that there was no Aslan and there was no Narnia. And, um, and she very nearly succeeded, as these evil spirits very nearly succeeded with me. But one of them was um, made of sterner stuff. And he said, I would rather believe in Narnia 
and in Aslan, even if it doesn't exist, than to accept your terrible reality. I remembered it and I thought, I could do that. I can do that. I'm going to believe. Because they were saying to me, your life isn't worth living, just give in. And I'm saying to them, well, yes, you're right, actually, my life isn't worth living. But I can believe that there is a life that's worth living. And somehow I've got lost. And the answer came back. It was a, a real conversation or, or imagined. It was a conversation. The answer came back. You'll never find it. And I thought, so you're not saying it doesn't exist. You're saying I'll never find it. And really, just looking for it, even if I never find it, would be an improvement on the way things are at the moment. So I started to think I could just look for the way. And of course, that was enough. That word was enough to help me to think somebody said, I am the way. And as my train of thought took me along this path, I am the way. I thought of Jesus and these voices started to recede. And I started to have a clearer head and I started to be less afraid. And I thought, Jesus. Well, I do know that Jesus was as real as Julius Caesar. He was as much historical evidence. And, uh, and I do believe that he was a good man because he lived in the public eye for so long. And, um, yeah, I thought maybe he'd help me. I wasn't sure if he was the son of God and I wasn't sure if he'd raised from the dead, but I knew for sure that if he wasn't the son of God and if he hadn't been raised from the dead, he wouldn't be able to help me. But just on the off chance that he might be, I'd ask him. <laughs> so I did. Wow. And I went to sleep and the fear went. And that was the beginning of my long journey to recovery. Wow, that's amazing. So right back in the, the early 70s it was the fear he said that drove you to this decision yes. it was this fear this pressure and of course the the implied promise do this and the fears will go away the troubles yes. will go away and yet yes. what happened was what was billed as a sort of this is going to save your life effectively really brought in a whole world of death not just the death of the baby yes but one could say a, a, a kind of a heightened sense of spiritual death and despair emotional mm. death and yet it was only at the name of jesus yes those fears <laughs> finally yes. started to um, power in the name of jesus amen. that's that's incredible i was just i just before we move on i just wanted to share a couple of verses you reminded me of this is in isaiah chapter 28 um it says this you boast we have entered into a covenant with death with the grave we have made a, an agreement when an overwhelming scourge sweeps by it cannot touch us for we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place and it goes on of course to say that that cannot work you cannot make a covenant with death to escape death yes. it's a self-defeating a self-contradicting kind of move yeah very dangerous and that's and that's what we see with abortion. It's billed as a life saving. This is going to mm. free you up, solve your problems, and yet it sends people down into a spiral of of death, and yet not beyond the grace of God. And I'm so conscious that as on the one hand we've got people we're who are listening in, and we want them to understand the gravity 
of abortion. Mm. This is a this is not a light momentary thing that you just move past. It's a grave, irreversible mm. decision, serious, yes. life changing. And yet, on the other hand, we want to say to those who have had abortions, it is not nearly so powerful as the cross of Jesus. That's Can you correct. just what what's your message, Pauline, before we kind of move on and hear more about your story? What is your message to those who've had abortions who fear that and perhaps they're listening to a satanic lie, whether they realize it or not, that actually what they've done is beyond it's beyond forgiveness. There's no hope for them. What's your message to, to them? Gosh. Um, well, you see, for me, I, um, I was desperate. It isn't that I, I knew what to do, it's that I flashed about and tried and stumbled upon something which grabbed hold of me and held me tight and kept me safe. And that was the name of Jesus. After I, after I came out of the mental hospital, I felt as I could see people looking at me and I felt as though they were aware of the terrible state I was in. But what they weren't aware of was that Although they could see I was walking along the edge of a precipice, my life was in a dangerous place, in a mess. I knew that I was safe because on between me and the edge of the uh, and the drop, Jesus walked and he was not going to let me fall. And I, I knew that as clearly as I knew that if I turn around the corner, there's a shop there that I can get a pint of milk. Mm. I, I knew that. It, it, it was almost as though in the same way as I knew that evil spirits had picked up on me and were after me, I suddenly knew that I was safe, mm. that Jesus was not going to let me fall. Mm. And I can say that, and, and yet, I, I mean, I went through all sorts of really quite um, difficult times, mm. even so. Well, I was going to ask so, you, so yeah. after that point, what was the... The, the journey of, of healing like for you? Did it happen quickly? Was it slowly? Was it up and down? Today, I, knowing you, I can say, praise God, you're, you, you're forgiven and you know you're forgiven, you're healed and you know you're healed. But how long did, did that take if it's possible to answer such a question? Well, this happened in 1970s. Um, and it's still going on, the healing, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not actually the paragon of virtue. but um... I didn't quite say that, Pauline. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, oh, well. Uh, yes, so I was talking only this last week to some girls um, on my recovery course, and they were saying that um, one of them was saying she couldn't remember very much, mm. and the other one was saying she couldn't feel very much. Mm. Now, these are, these are symptoms of trauma. And abortion is a trauma. Mm. And so we talked about this. And um, the, 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 when something goes badly wrong in you, uh, it's, it's usually tied to a lie if you can't get rid of it. So if you have found yourself um, displaying a symptom of, of trauma, um, often there's a lie that has hooked it into you. So. Um, for these 
Dare Women, um, we looked at, at this. And, um, and we, we also looked at the, the, you see, the truth of the matter is that it's a relief not to remember and it's a relief not to feel hmm. because it's so awful. Hmm. We'd rather be numb hmm. and um, we'd rather shut the door. Hmm. But with Christ, um, we are able hmm. to um, deal with these things. We are able to reclaim our memories and to be healed from them because when they're when they're shut away in a cupboard yeah. all sorts of things going on underneath that make us a little bit um unstable yeah and when we don't when we close our feelings down or when our feelings are closed down because i'm not sure that it's a conscious thing that happens mm. um we we lose a whole vast area of of our of our humanity yeah. you know it, it's difficult to love mm. if you if you can't mm. feel if you if you're protecting yourself in that yeah. way but we talked about this and i said you can actually trust the lord because what what i did because this is what i do when i when i'm trying to talk to to one of the women who've had an abortion i try and remember what i did and uh, and what I did was I took all the things that were troubling me. So whether it was that I couldn't remember or that I couldn't feel or that people didn't like me or that I didn't like myself, you know, lots and lots of things. And I'd stick them in a bag and I'd tie the top up and I'd take them to the cross. Mm. And I'd say to Jesus, Jesus, I put everything in here because mm. I don't know what I should hold on to and what I should let go of. Mm. So I'm taking it to you because you know best. Yeah. But um, what I found was that little by little, the Lord helped me. So if I had have had all my memories back in one go, it would have it would yes. have knocked me for six. Yeah. Um, if more, all my feelings had have woken up, mm. it would have been too much for me. It would have it would have been very, very hard to cope with. So we're trusting in the Lord mm. one step at a time. Yeah. So for each person, there's something um, personal which is troubling you after you've had an abortion. There's some, and you might not even know what it is because it's difficult to think straight. Mm. Um, and these are the things that we look at and this is the way that we try and help one another mm. and, uh, and pray for one another because our God is able to bring healing and health he, he can bring beauty for ashes mm. and mm. you know those wonderful promises mm. Mm. that's really helpful you know there's that verse isn't there where jesus says i've got much more to tell you but you can't bear it now you know the lord is yeah. is tender and gracious he doesn't give us it all all in one go but um from what you're saying it sounds like facing the truth was essential the, the instinct of course is to suppress to avoid forget and I think also the instinct within the church, those perhaps preachers or others in the church, our instinct often is to avoid the issue because again, it's easier to hide, suppress, ignore than it is to face it head on. And yet from what you're telling me, it sounds like actually facing it head on is essential for, for, for healing and, and for actually knowing that forgiveness, you know, we cannot of course experience forgiveness if we don't, identify what it is we, we need forgiveness for i think from from my point of view from the point of view of a woman 
who has been bereaved by abortion. Okay, what has happened is our baby has died. Now imagine if, um, if it had have been a stillbirth or if the baby had died at two or three months. I'd talk about it. I'd need to talk about it. I'd want people to say, how are you? I'd want people to say, um, have you got a picture? Oh, let me see. Oh, how sad. I'd want a grave. You know, we haven't got any of those things. Mm. It, it is imposed on us mm. um, that we should not be upset. Mm. And there's a scripture which all through the years, um, until I met up with the um, people who are so active in, in the pro-life movement, um, I used to think of this scripture, which says, they have healed the wound of my people lightly, mm. saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace. And this is what they said to me. They'd say to me, it's all right. It does, you know, it happened before you became a Christian. Now you're baptized. It's in the past. You shouldn't think about it. You know, mm. they, they would, they, these are the sort of things that were said to me by very mel, mel, well-meaning Christians. Mm. Um, and it wasn't helpful. Yeah. It wasn't helpful. Mm. The, the alternative, of course, is there are some women or sometimes some of us talk and talk and talk, regardless of whether you're going to let us listen. Um, we, we just and, and that's because it's going on and on and on in our head, you know, and, and that that is quite um, as in a lot of ways as bad because we're re-traumatizing ourselves. Mm. Yeah. But I came across a verse just last week, and I believe it's Psalm 20, verse 22. And I read it in the Living Bible. And it says that the Lord does not belittle what we have gone through. Mm. I can't remember the rest of the verse, but that was just so helpful. And I've shared it with the, with the women who've been through the course, and they all of them say, wow, that is, that is amazing. That is mm. so comforting. He does not belittle. And if, if we are not comforted, um, so if, 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 if we're not allowed to talk because pastors or leaders don't want to upset us, if they don't open the subject of abortion, if they don't talk about it, lots and lots and lots more women will be having abortions. Mm. And those of us who have had abortions will be given the... The message either this is too dreadful to talk about or it doesn't really matter mm. Mm. either of those messages are lies and not it's not honorable mm. that leaders of the church should not be speaking the truth mm. well pauline on that note we're actually gonna draw stumps there um, and and see this very much as just part one because what you've teed up <laughs> there are at least two or three more conversations we need to have but how and why we need to speak clearly about this in the church. I'd love to hear more about the, the recovery course and how you're helping women and what those different stages of help and healing look like. Um, and more about how we can all be helpful to those who've had abortions. So thank you so much, Pauline, for sharing with us, uh, whetting our appetite for more and uh, look thank forward you. to hearing more from you in, in the weeks to come. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you Dave. Okay.